welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 780. She looked over at her, her face serious, as if she would pull the secret out of the other woman by sheer force of will. Someday I will go there and learn it. I will go everywhere, and I will learn all the katans there are. I will learn the hidden ways of the ribbon, and the chain, and of the moving pool. I will learn the paths of joy, and passion, and restraint. I will have all of them. When she spoke, Cillian didn't say this in a tone of childish fancy, as if she were daydreaming of eating an entire cake. Neither was she boastful, as if she were describing a plan she had put together on her own, and thought very clever. Cillian said it with a quiet intensity. It was almost as if she were simply explaining who she was. Not to me. She was telling herself. She turned back to look at me. I will go to your land, too, she said. Absolute. And I will learn the barbarian Catan your women keep secret from you. You will be disappointed, I said. I did not misspeak. I know the word for secret. What I meant to say is that where I come from, many women do not fight. Celian rolled her wrist again in puzzlement, and I knew I had to be more clear. Where I come from, most women spend their whole lives without holding a sword. Most grow up not knowing how to strike another with the fist or the blade of their hand. They know nothing of any sort of katan. They do not fight at all. I stressed the last two words with strong negation. That finally seemed to get the point across to her. I had half expected her to look horrified, but instead she simply stood there blankly, hands motionless, as if at a loss for what to think. It was as if I just explained to her that the women where I came from didn't have any heads. They do not fight? She asked dubiously. Not with the men, or each other, or with anyone at all? I nodded. There was a long, long pause. Her brow furrowed, and I could actually see her struggling to come to grips with this idea. Confusion. Dismay. Then what do they do? She said at last. I thought of the women I knew. Mola, Fela, Devi. Many things, I said, having to improvise around the words I didn't know. They make pictures out of stones. They buy and sell money. They write in books. Cillian seemed to relax as I recited this list, as if relieved to hear for those foreign women empty of any Catan weren't strewn around the countryside like boneless corpses. They heal the sick and mend wounds. They play... I almost said play... The end of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Joanna. I'm Nick. And something we didn't talk about yesterday that we can talk about today because it is on this page is we actually get a description of a hand talk. Mm-hmm. Every now and then we get a description of a hand talk and I love it because I love, I want to do it. I want to like mm-hmm. try to imagine what it would be like to come up with the imaginary language. If yeah, you we're did doing the movie. it right now. Yeah, we're doing the, the palm rub thing. It's interesting and it makes me wonder like how Rothis came up with it and, and how you would perform it, how you would do it if you were actually trying to have a, the conversation and like what what the origin of it would be. It's it's neat and it's fun. He gives us just enough, just enough detail about what certain things look like that we can fill in the blanks of the rest, which I think is the right technique to write about something like this. Yeah, and yesterday we got the word ve. Mm-hmm. We occasionally get a, an endemic word and we got a great word, which is ve for I submit, which is the same as like tapping out mm-hmm. in this world. When she's describing her ambition to learn all of the katans there are to learn, does she remind you of anybody? Margaret Thatcher? I feel like Jeremy's going to say quote. Yeah. That is what I was going to say. <laughs> I, think, like, I know what Jeremy's answer is. I think that to me they are thematically paralleled in that she is also a precocious child who's ahead of all the kids her age 
and who has grand ambitions to learn everything there is to know about a thing. She does seem to have a lot of resolve. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that she'd be a great protagonist for another story. Mm-hmm. Recently, a interview surfaced with Rothbus saying he had like that he's tricked us all into reading a very long prologue, and he's got lots of plans for other stories set in the world after the King Killer is over. And I think she'd be a great protagonist like a teenage kellyanne going off into the world mm-hmm. i was saying earlier that i would like to see like vashit as a protagonist i think that this would be this would be an even better protagonist young kellyanne going off to uh i know i could i would go for young kellyanne going off into the world but i would also go for the story of vashit pre her training with the path of joy like vashit like starting when she was younger and then catching up to where she is in the book I know is prologue sounds the right word because a prequel prequel yes I want mm. a pre a Vashet prequel mm. I can't think of a prequel that I thought was worth making the prequel I'm having a hard time well you know what I feel like a good prequel takes place at such a remove from the original stories that it doesn't matter that's the reason that like Fire and Blood is good or that like the Duncan Egg stories are good is that like it what about like that new Witcher prequel uh, yeah it it completely flopped and I'm not interested in oh, it also so. okay. Yeah, which is a shame because I want Michelle Yeoh to be more in more things than great. rock in them. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if Fire and Blood and Duncan Egg would stand on their own without the anchor of Game of Thrones. Well, see, I think that they do. Like, I enjoyed those Duncan Egg stories, and I know that people are like obsessed with like, ah, oh, the, the 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 fire at Summerhall is going to be so important, but like, but it doesn't matter. The, the events of those stories on their own are like entertaining stories. Yeah, I don't know. I thought of another option for potentially good prequels what about things like like the silmarillion and the children of Fern? have you tried actually sat down to read yeah, the silmarillion, the silmarillion okay the silmarillion is really slow but the children of Fern isn't because it's like short story style i mean i mean you're right i think you're right that that does fulfill my criteria it, of it like basically has no effect on the events of lord of the rings or the hobbit because it takes place like a thousand years before but i also just like think that tolkien's not a particularly good writer so he also never yeah. intended to i don't think he even wrote those like they're assembled from his notes right yeah well yeah. i i know i like the what is it i like the story of those books but not the way they were written Does yeah that that's why sense? when i want to know what happens in the silmarillion i read wikipedia Fair. Yeah. Listeners, write in and tell us a, a prequel that is good. Yeah, that justifies the, its own existence. Yep. And don't say the Star Wars prequels. Okay, wait, wait, okay, okay. What I about mean, what about the Rings of Power? Because it's a television show, it, so it's easier to intake than yeah, the books. And it sucks. Oh. It is deeply awful. Like, <laughs> cursed. Yes, there's no way those would exist with or and like they they are feeding off your nostalgia for the original very very clearly. Like, yeah, it it uh, they they yeah. and I mean this, I don't always mean this in a derogatory way, but this time I do. They read like like they they watch like someone got a billion dollars to make fanfic. Like that's literally what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Dreadful. Just dreadful. I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> I'm sorry they didn't make a show that didn't suck. What are you going to do? Maybe your opinions just suck. Well, I haven't been proven wrong yet. Look, what they should do is call Jeremy next time they have a billion dollars to make a TV show. That is true. They should yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, so, listeners, if you know if Jeff you Bezos... Yeah, if you have a billion dollars. Yeah, if you have a billion dollars and you want uh, someone to make a derivative show of a beloved property, uh, give us a call. I've got lots of ideas. Yeah. yeah if, if Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, who took half his money... Just looking to give away a few of those billions. Mackenzie Scott? Yes, call yeah, us. That's the one. Yeah. So I we think, do a podcast. <laughs> I think for a patron episode, we should discuss whether Rings of Power is bad and or good, and we should invite Jeff. But then I'd have to watch the Rings of Power. Uh, you can do the thing that I do, where I don't actually watch the media, and I just listen to you and Jeremy talk about stuff. But I want to talk. I like talking. 
I mean, you can still butt in with random. Yeah, Nick. Stuff. When is when is uh, having an opinion ever correlated with knowing about the thing? That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched one episode of it and I wanted to throw up. So. And, okay, is, well, is Andor you just a prequel? The first episode. Well, then obviously hey, you didn't like it. Andor's a prequel. Yeah. Well, Andor is the ex- like. But you know what? Andor basically has nothing to do with the plot of Star Wars, right? Like, it, it's it's only tangentially related. It's very much like its own story. It just happens to take place in this universe before the events of the films. Whereas, like, the prequel films commit every sin that a prequel can commit because they directly, uh, like, implicate events in those movies that, in a way that, like, makes them worse. I maintain that if George Lucas had not had his plans changed by the negative reception to Phantom Menace, that it might have ended up being good. Because I think Phantom Menace has emerged, in my mind anyway, as like the strongest of those prequels by a wide margin. Because oh, it's actually man. like... Having rewatched them, I could not disagree more. Oh, but it actually like has a... I don't know, a coherent vision, but it has a vision. Like it's clearly trying to do something specific. Whereas the other two are more, far more derivative, in my opinion. Yeah, but they're also like more watchable. Are they though? Well, no. No, the order of watchability goes Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, because Attack of the Clones is just Attack of the Clones is dark. absolutely unwatchable. But yeah. Phantom Menace is nonsense. None of it matters. It's not clear what the stakes are, and it also doesn't matter because none of that has any effect on the next two movies. I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, back to the page. We gotta end this episode. This is gonna this is gonna go on forever. This will never stop. <laughs> that's right, that's true. <laughs> okay, is there anything on this page we do want to talk about? There is something I briefly want to talk about, and it's that uh, when Quoth is asked, what do women do? He has to think of the women he knows, and then he like literally thinks about what they do. Like he doesn't have. You can't just list literally everything other than fighting. (laughs) Yeah, but like I'm trying to think what I would do in this situation. Like, if someone asked me, "What do men do and what do women do?" I don't know. In today's, I think there's a lot of ways to answer that today. I don't know. I I don't know what it what it means that he thinks of Mola, Fela, and Devi, and literally says the things they do, like sculpting. Uh, money lending, writing, doing physicering, physicer work. Almost, yeah. He's almost just playing music for money. I think that Poth knows on some level that women got the short end of the stick in his society and that the women he knows are all exceptions to the way that most women end up living their lives because they're at the university. Yeah. You know, well, like how... most women in his society do, I, I suspect, what most women do pre-modern European society, right? A lot of them are probably working in the home or doing laundry, doing laundry, you know, all, all that kind of. Well, like, I, I suspect a historian might tell you that there was an awful lot of women like involved in the politics and the business of their husbands. Oftentimes, they being the actual masterminds behind mm-hmm. them, but not. Being but in like an unofficial and unacknowledged yeah. capacity. What's unspoken here? Who's absent is Denna. What does mm-hmm. Denna do all day? Well, and Quoth either <laughs> is avoiding thinking about it or genuinely doesn't know. Well, he was about to say play music, which yeah, I think is something yeah, he associates with Denna. Maybe yeah, that's And then he has it, to stop yeah. himself. Is that what she does all day? <laughs> I don't think he has any idea. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. But what does he do all day? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> the other way to answer this question is that when you're answering it, you think of what are the things that I do and then just remove. Yeah, to be fair, I don't. if someone asks me what I do, I don't think I could tell them. Like, I don't, I, you know. I often wonder what you do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have tried to tell me. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not like as an occupation. That's the problem. I don't have anything outside my occupation. And I guess this podcast. Uh, but like, I was going to say, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like... I don't know, man. You play video games? I do, but that's not something I like you want to. worlds? Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's not something I want to like lead with when someone asks me like... You read books. You read a 
Books. I don't though. I don't read that many books. Okay, yeah. You, I don't have time I, I, anymore. That's the thing. Read, I don't. I don't do anything. You, but I also don't have any time. Think <laughs> you don't read many books, but you read more than one book a year. So you read many books to someone like me, who sometimes finishes a book a year. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I don't know. Barely. That's an interesting. That's like a, a sad thing to think about, though. Is like, how do you respond when someone says, "What do you do besides like your well, your work?" And also, it's sad to think that like I don't have time. To read, but I also don't. You walk your dog. Do anything, yeah. <laughs> you hang out with your lovely wife. Well, I mean, the the thing with that particular question is, I think that culturally we think of that question as a way of asking, "What do you do for a living?" Right? What do you? What is your work? Yeah, and I always try when I'm asked that at a party to not lead with the job thing because mm. it's a test, right? When you're asked at a party by a new acquaintance, they're trying to figure out where on the pecking order you land. If you're at a party and someone says, "What are you?" Like, let's say my example would be, uh, I am an artist. That's not just my job, it's who I am. Like, you might be a scholar. I, Jeremy would be a scholar. We, we both okay. made faces. Apparently, apparently, I just think higher of you. I don't know. What but that's would you be? that's what I mean, right? Jeremy like, would be a classic nerd. I don't know. What do you want from me? But that's what I mean. That question, and like, I, I'm being cynical when I say it. But when someone asks you, "What do you do?" or like, "What are you?" or "How do you def- how do you define yourself?" Maybe they're not doing it intentionally, but what the the outcome is that you are they're like trying to figure out how much power to afford you where like like you said it yourself oh. like i think highly of you because you know scholar think... ranks higher than artist to you right like oh no i would say they're par okay well good thank you for that <laughs> i but, but you know what i mean like like certain people like if someone like you're saying like if you ask someone what they do at a party and they say i'm a doctor then you're impressed yeah like doctors and, are a good job to have. yeah they're trying to figure out like how to think of you certain people are more obvious about it if you respond with something other than what you do for a living engage their reaction they you know you might learn something about the person also isn't that kind of what you interact with people at parties for though don't you interact with people to understand them better isn't that the point of interacting yes and i would say that it is an unfortunate side effect of our capitalist hellscape that we try to and sort of like naturally without intending to we try to like figure out who is worthy of being afforded more respect or not based on like what part on the totem pole we occupy but that's not what celian is trying to do she is literally trying (laughs) to understand I think that this is telling us about the place of women in Adam's society because she can't conceive of what a woman does in society if she's not fighting. Not not just a woman, but like all people, right? Like especially women who are the best at fighters, but it seems like everyone in, in Adam, like... But she doesn't ask about the man. She's not interested. She asks, like, she's saying they, they women. What do they do? They don't fight with the men or anybody? What do they do? She doesn't care what the men do because <laughs> men aren't... She's not a man. Men aren't important to her. Hmm. Men aren't important in Adam culture, right? Like, this is a good show-don't-tell moment of the role of women in Adam society is above all other things to be able to fight. And if they can't fight, then what What are they What are they doing? What is their role? That is, that's my takeaway, anyway. Much to think on. Indeed, we have a letter today, and it's a short one because we, have, we had a lot of of jibber jabber today. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking us off topic. Hey, again. this was not entirely my fault. Although I will accept some of the blame. This letter is from Madsen, who writes on lutes and fingers. Greetings, pagers. I write regarding page seven fifty six, where Quoth learns that the Adam would remove the two smallest fingers of his right hand if he had attempted to leave. 
My partner is actually, coincidentally, a lutist. And apparently, according to the traditional lute practice, you are actually not even meant to use the two smallest fingers on your right hand at all. The strings are meant to be plucked exclusively with the thumb, pointer, and middle fingers, at least as much as you possibly can. Similarly, in classical guitar playing, the pinky finger of the right hand is not really used. Granted, perhaps the Edamara and or Trooper's Lute are not played in this same style, and those two fingers certainly provide a certain stability even if they don't touch the strings, not to mention the psychological and or artificering benefits of a full set of fingers. Nonetheless, I hope you find this lutistry tidbit as interesting as I did when I learned it. Whimsically, Madsen. I do find that interesting. I also uh, find that interesting. I'm, I was learning the other day that there's also two different kinds of Japanese lutes that have different numbers of strings. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, because we talk about how, like, Quoth plays with the, the one less string sometimes. And, you know. Like he has to play the same song when his string's broken? Yeah. 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 It's neat. I, I think you alluded to this in the letter, Madsen, but also your, uh, your grip strength is less when you're missing fingers. Mm-hmm. You need all your fingers in order to apply... Like pressure with any of them, I think. So maybe your your fingering would be too weak without your fingers. They're too weak. I think the no prize here is this: just that the Adam, I mean, sorry, the Edimara must play their lutes differently so that the, uh, the all the fingers come into play. I think that's that's the way we got a no prize. Rate. Then no one shall win. But you might get a prize, uh, our approval for listening to tomorrow's page. Uh, the win. win.